Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour. Kudzu Radio Hour number 154. Wow, 154. Recorded Saturday, July 10th, 2021. Yes, 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 yes. So um, today we're going to have uh, one of our four guys out again, a different one this time. Uh, myself and Billy and Jim will be here. Patrick, however, is in New York City where he is seeing Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Am I jealous? No. <laughs> Doggone right I am. But anyway, I'm hoping he's having a great time. I haven't been to New York in a long, long time. Used to love it up there. I mean, to visit. I wouldn't want to live there, but I love visiting. Kudzu Radio Hour is brought to you, as always, by the fine folks over there in Georgia at Springer Mountain Farms. They do chicken right, baby. Fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal byproducts ever. Yeah, that's right. Family farms. I said that again. Family farms, not corporate, but family farms. They make sure everything's done right. Get more information on Springer Mountain Farms or order your chicken online at springermountain.com. That's springermtn.com. Just scoot on over there, read about it. And uh, if you so desire, I mean, now you can pick it up in your market, in your grocery store, in the blue package. Uh, but um, they will deliver it right to your door. And I've had that before. It comes in a cool you know, a cooler kind of thing. And uh, it'll come right to your doorstep there, man. You ought to get it. Get you some Springer Mountain uh, chicken because I I, I swear, I, I know I say this till I'm blue in the face, but this is the best chicken I've ever had. I, I, I put it on my Cuisinart grill, do my indoor grilling because um, I just had, don't have an outdoor grill right now. Unfortunately, I used to, but I don't have one right now. But it sure is good grilled. I just love it, love it, love it. And you will too. Springer Mountain Farms, Springer MTN, SpringerMTN.com. And if you go over there, tell Gus and Susan that Buffalo sent you. Kudzu. The show's always brought to you also by that band that I call them that little old band from LA. See, that's the play on ZZ Top and that little old band from Texas. But this is that little old band from Los Angeles called the Boxmasters. And uh, they have a great, great new album out called Light Rays. It's been getting all kinds of really good reviews. It's one of the best albums they've ever done. It may be their best they've ever done. You can get it on CD, vinyl, and download. You can get uh, all sorts of merch and past CDs and autographed merchandise and everything else if you scoot on over to... Uh, theboxmasters.com now they had to uh cancel last summer's tour because of your covid you know you remember that <laughs> i remember it but they're getting ready gearing up they're going back out they're going back out on tour and you can get the dates and everything at theboxmasters.com and be sure to follow the boxmasters on facebook and instagram on Instagram, go on to Official Boxmasters 
and uh, JD himself posts all these pictures on there every single day. So uh, it's really good. And it, you know, it don't cost nothing. So there you go. I like things that are free. That's why our, our podcasts are free. Our uh, uh, YouTube channel is free. Our magazine has always been free and always will be because free is my favorite price and I hope it's yours too. The new issue of Kudzu Magazine is scheduled to be published later today, believe it or not. Uh, it features a great interview and cover story on piano player Chuck Lavelle, former member of the Allman Brothers and a long time, long time touring keyboardist and band leader for the Rolling Stones. He also talks about the tour he did with David Gilmore. A new conversation with Charlie Starr of Blackberry Smoke about their great new album, and is it good? You Hear Georgia is the name of it. Uh, there's a review of that album in the issue too, but a conversation with him about the album and about their tour dates and everything opening up post-COVID is exciting. And it's exciting to get all my friends, especially Scott Green, going to get back out there. I don't think he ever stopped, but he goes, he goes to more smoke shows. He's like a, a deadhead for Blackberry Smoke. I guess you call him a smokehead. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it's uh, it is a great band. It really is. And this is a great album. So uh, all that, plus we've got an interview with uh, author Jerry Grillo about his most excellent book on Colonel Bruce Hampton. And there's also a view of the book in there. How about that? That's, how about that for two for the price of none? A Remembrance of the Late Jim Steinman, one of my favorites, the songwriter who wrote all the uh, songs for Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell songs and all that, who passed away. So we did a little remembrance of him. We got CD and DVD reviews, book reviews, columns from Electra, the rock and roll health chick. Anthony Richardson, also known as Big A, the, station, the Unexplainable Billy Eli, and much more. Just all kinds of stuff. Now, you know, here's what happens. Just a minute here. Okay. All right. My uh, Alexa sitting over there just starts talking right in the middle of everything. <sighs> I wish she had more manners, but you know how she is. She's kind of kind of uh, quirky like that. Please visit our uh, YouTube channel, The Ambassador of Southern Rock, and please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We're going to have much more stuff coming up on there. We've got interviews archived with uh, Harvey Jett of Black Oak, Arkansas, Jason Ringberg, who was with Jason and the Scorchers and got a big solo career going, uh, and Freddie Salem of the Outlaws, and much, 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 much more. Just go to YouTube and punch in Ambassador of Southern Rock. And be sure to write us about the podcast, the YouTube channel, the magazine, and the price of tea in China. Uh, write to us at kudzumag at yahoo.com, K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag at yahoo.com. That's right. So to get things underway today, now we got all the business out of the way. Uh, to get things underway, we're gonna I'm gonna play a twofer. Okay. We'll start with a song by ZZ Top and follow it with a song 
off of Billy F. Gibbons' new solo album, Hardware. So you get Reverend Billy Gibbons two different ways. You get him from the 70s and you get him from right now. How about that? Two for the price of none because it's free. That's right. I said that before. It's free. All right. Here's some music and we'll be right back with the whole Hee Haw gang right after this. Lighting my fuse and grinding my gears. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, a twofer. We played one from ZZ Top and one from Billy F. Gibbons. How about that? One of these things is just like the other. Aren't they the same guy? <laughs> they are the same guy. Well, one of the same guys. But uh, the the first song we played was one I love from DeGuayo called Manic Mechanic. That's a good song. Do you yeah. want to race? And the and other a, one was Billy Gibbons album. from his new album, Hardware. Uh so anyway, please welcome. I'm going to introduce both these guys. Now, Pat is, like I said, he's not here today. He's in New York City, seeing Springsteen on Broadway. Yeah. I hope, I hope he didn't, I hope he didn't fall asleep like I did when I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> you, you, why you, why you? I loved it. So there you go. I could never fall asleep when the boss is playing. Um, anyway. Please welcome, first of all, he's a little bit country, Billy Eli. What up, guys? All right. And he's a little bit rock and roll, Jim Hiphill. Hey, y'all. I'm going to be confused with Donnie like and Marie at all. I look like Donnie and he looks like Marie. Yeah, he sure. does. He really does. Yeah, her, her after, after, after Nutrisystem. His tits well, aren't as big, though. Let me let me just say, her, her, uh, her mustache was darker than his. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine's gone white. Yeah. Well, first of all, we're going to be reading from our Bible. Yes, folks, I know it's sacrilegious, but our new Bible mm, is sacrilegious. Alt Rockarama, Rolling Stones, Alt Rockarama, the coolest book this side of the Pecos. And I just opened it You're the welcome. Other, while I was talking to Jim earlier, opened it up to this one, and I thought, well, that'd be a good thing to do. How about the five worst rock club restrooms in the United States? You got to talk about restrooms. That's, I mean, all know. of what? All of them. <laughs> all of them. No, first is in Austin. Yeah. Well, it tied. It, it tied. Uh, Liberty Lunch in Austin, Texas. Oh, uh, hell, man. But that's that. See, that's the only thing about Bibles. They get really outdated. That, uh, that Liberty Lunch, man, that was an executive bathroom compared to the one at Jenny's Little Longhorn. You actually could see through the bottom of the toilet to the ground outside. Well, this well, this first. Yeah, Liberty Lunch had a, had a had a leaky trough, so if you stood too close, it just ran right onto your feet. Oh God, uh, a leaky trough. I uh, still it think tied, it was but... it was it wasn't as bad as Hole in the Wall, probably. It tied for first place. No, that that one's bad too. That's the one where the uh, 
they put the plumbing, they put ice in there, and as the ice melts, it loosens yeah. it out. Yeah, been, been a long time since I pissed on ice. Well, they did that at Liberty Lunch too. Every once in a while, you saw someone walk into the men's room with a big five-gallon bucket of ice, and they dumped it in the trough. Wow. Yeah, they they do they did that at uh, them. It wasn't music bars. We we drank there a few times. The Horseshoe Lounge. Horseshoe yeah. Lounge, yeah, yeah. in South well, Austin. Yeah. wants to drink hot piss. Um, there's a it tied three ways on that first one with uh liberty it was also with uh trees in deep Ellis, texas that's that's dallas yeah yeah well it says it says deep yeah, deep Ellum. Ellum. yeah that's so that's a dallas. deep elms a section of dallas galaxy club in dallas i don't know that one All we, we haven't played either one of those places we played a joint in deep Ellum, but i don't remember the name of it i don't either you remember the that guy at liberty lunch as much as told me that Texas men prefer to shit in front of other men. Trees in Deep Ellum is a sort of monument to this barbaric notion. The Galaxy Club down the street is no better. Okay, well, that's good. The one I thought would be number one is number two. And when I say number two, I mean number two. CBGB's in New York. I know I've been there kind You've of like, there. kind of like Woody Allen's joke about life in any hall impossible to reach and disappointing when you do get there. <laughs> Number three is in Providence, Rhode Island. I've never been to Rhode Island. Hell, I'm going to go over there this afternoon. Tell Club me what baby head. Club baby head. God Maybe damn, I'd love to damn I'd love to play a joint called Club Baby. It's a great I, name, man. I actually I actually used this one in front of three grown men. None of us were Texans, however. <laughs> who wrote who wrote this list, Buff? This is written by um according to the men of Super Chunk. Super Chunk, all right. Of course, of course from they're from north carolina i think yeah yeah man i've seen them a couple times I didn't yeah, the, dr the, the drummer in super chunk is in bob mold's band too great oh, drummer. Cool. well there he was letting some super chunks out at that restaurant um the um next one number four is in uh raleigh north carolina it's lake boone country club big room no stalls a nightmare from puberty <laughs> <laughs> And the final one is called Twisters in Richmond, Virginia. The toilet is inside of a cell of chicken wire. This must be what jail is really like. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to go with the, you know, every once in a while you go to one of those clubs. They just had in the men's room is just one or two stools with nothing around them. We used to play a place in Marshalltown, Iowa called Butch and Nellie's, a.k.a. the hole in the, the hole in the mall, because it was in an actual mall. And it just it was just a stool sitting out there in the right almost in the middle of the room. And that was it. <laughs> well, I, was it was watching, I was watching a movie the other traumatic. night where a guy where, they, where this guy was in jail or prison or whatever. A small <laughs> cell shared with another guy. But, you know, the toilet's right there. I mean, there's no way. You got to do it right in front of the other guy. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's jail. <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah. I call it jail. Or a barracks. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. And don't you moving think right we on. should? It's I time do. for high fidelity. 
I want you guys to name for me the three greatest concerts or shows that you ever attended. Yes, three concerts or shows, the greatest ones that you can recall ever seeing. And with that, let's go with Jim. Uh, boy, if you give me a minute, I could think of the you dates. Well, no, you, you one of them, I know the date, uh, Friday, the 13th of August, 1982, the clash at, uh, the Aragon ballroom in Chicago. Wow. Unbelievable. It was, uh, it was like, I like to describe many of the places I've seen shows. It was both a, uh, sweat box and a shithole. And the, the, the club had a, well, it was a club, it was a theater, had a capacity of maybe 4,000 and there were maybe 6,000 people there. I think it was raining from the ceiling from all the sweat and the condensation. It was the middle of August in Chicago. It was hot and the clash was amazing. Uh, the only time I saw the real clash uh, with, uh, with Mick Jones. Um, oh. So that's one. Uh, another one I'd have to say is... U2 in, I want to say 1980 or 81 at the Fillmore in Ames, Iowa. They were on their first American tour uh, in support of their first record, Boy, and they oh, were God. still still driving in a van, still playing. This club had maybe four or 500 capacity. It's a club my band played all the time. Uh, I had never heard a note of their music, but they were getting a lot of buzz. So I went and... Wow. Literally the next morning, I went to the record store and bought Boy. It was no an amazing. I just, it was, man. They were really something back what did then. You I say know the they year did. was eighty or eighty one. It was it was uh, when Boy had just just come out. It's pretty so. close to the year Live Aid. Uh, uh, Live Aid was right around there somewhere. No, it was, was this was way before then. Live Aid was July eighty five. Oh, okay, okay. I, I I thought they were really cool at Live Aid. They still hadn't gotten really Hollywood yet. This so was way before then. During the Boy Tour, I'm sure. It was April 10th, 1981. Wow. I Boy, paid $5. Like really early. Paid $5. That's <laughs> funny, man. I was getting ready to graduate high school. <laughs> yeah. That, it was was, the, that was the month before I graduated. <laughs> Yeah, it was really that's that's one of the bands that I can say I saw them back when. Yeah, it was it was a packed house, but it was, you know, four or five hundred people. Uh, and uh, it was really, really something I, like I said, didn't know a note of their music. Um, but uh, but boy, after that and for the for the third, I'm going to say another club show. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to say the replacements uh. at Amelia's in Iowa city on the tour right after Tim came out November 5th, 1985. Wow. And there's a boot bootleg circulating. It's amazing. It's 34 songs. Some of the songs that they performed that night include the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> Uh, Damn, man, you got to hand it to Westerberg for just absolutely not giving a shit. The great, it's such a great covers that they pick. Take, taking care of business. Help oh, me, no. run, help, help me, me Rhonda. Rhonda. Oh, I know that that had to be lovely. <laughs> little, little GTO. And they also took a swing at if I only had a brain from, oh, uh, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. 
So those are my three. I could, but I've seen so many shows I could do. And I could do probably 10 lists of three and make an argument that all 30 of them were the best show I ever saw. But those are, those are the ones I'm going with. Bill is up to bat. I've seen a bunch of stuff and there's, I'm not going to rank it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the rules. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a question, Buff, and you a question, gentlemen. I got to thinking about this. So you're not going to answer this one. No, no, I'm not. Okay. But I want to ask you, no, but I want to ask you this. I want to do mine what, if you get to. What bands, well, uh, and you, uh, top three bands that you wish you would have seen before they were big. You were talking about that YouTube, and that that could be, I mean, that could be one of them. What, but you did see them. What what bands do you wish that you could have seen, like the first eighteen months of their career, maybe? Let mm. Buff go, go Buff. Hey man, you gotta give me a second. I have my answers ready for the other question. Yeah, <laughs> well, you you should have known I was gonna fuck that. Oh, uh, let me see. <laughs> Come on, Buff. How long we known each other? Did, did you say that? Did you say that they uh, before they were dead well, or before they were famous? What before before they broke? When they, you know, like the first oh. 18 months of their career before they broke. And I, I tell you, well, the part of that, I really wish I could have seen the police when they were still doing club, when they were still doing club tours. Oh, that's a great uh, choice. Can, can, can you imagine how good that, how good and hot yeah. that band had to be the first couple of years that, that they were, that, that they were around? I mean, not that they're not good and hot now, but you know what I mean? Somewhere I have a cassette recording of a radio show that was done on their first U.S. tour when they were still in a van when their first album came out. Right. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, and, that, and, and so so what bands what bands you know like that do you wish you had seen when they were still doing their van tour? How uh, many you want? One or three? Uh, How many uh, you want to do? Well, uh, well first to, one would be up David, up David, First one would be uh, David Bowie's early career. Hey man, that's a that's an interesting choice, and it yeah, t- tell us more. Okay, well, more would be um, more would be Blondie. In oh, the beginning, yeah. I wanted yeah. to see them at CBGB's, but I didn't get to. Right. Um, that's another one, and then uh, I probably got another one. Uh, Elvis Costello. Oh, another great choice. Mm, I saw him years later, but yeah. when he first yeah. began, of course, you know, when they first start, most bands are better because they have what you call the eye of the tiger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I well, mean, they just, more, they, they right. just kicking ass, you know, don't worry about any of it. Just well, and, and, and what I like about that is, is they're not, they're, they're usually not fully formed. So there's, there's multiple stuff in there. And you mentioned Elvis Costello. I mean, man, he had a, like a punk thing and a new wave thing and kind country. of a rockabilly thing and a country thing and a fucking Irish folk. Kind He's of done thing. everything I mean, he has to do. Yeah. But when he, but like you say, man, early in his career, you know, that that stuff popped out more, you know, it was because his shows and his performances were, were less mature and less streamlined. Yeah. I bet that would have been hot. Hey, I'm going to attack in number four. I should have said Leonard Skinner because when they first started as a bar band, I bet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm, yeah, that's great too. Okay, great go ahead. Too. Go on to Jim. You're up, Jim. Okay. Um, 
I'm going to say REM, and I've got some knowledge on this because when they were still playing clubs, and I mean back in the Athens days before the fir their first single even came out, there's plenty of widely available bootlegs, and they were playing a completely different type of song and writing a different type of song that were just real fast pop kind of, you know, right. fast fast jangle, melodic jangle, pop. jangle pop yeah yeah, yeah. That, yeah that didn't have the serious aspect of their songwriting and you know their songwriting wasn't as good but you can tell that they were a great club band in a completely different context they were known as the party band around athens they were kind of the they weren't the artsy guys they were the party guys yeah the, the, the care played characters and stuff, yeah man. yeah and i would have loved to have you know seen an early show at, at tyrone's or somewhere like that oh, back yeah. in the day Next band I'm going to say say is I would love to have seen ZZ Top when they were just starting oh, to. Oh, yeah, right, man. Right, yeah, right when they, right yeah. about the time Bill Ham picked them up. Man, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I bet they were really something. And they're, you know, they're they're a great, great, great band. But they're one of those ones that. So, they were so, so goddamn hot, man. Yeah, I mean, to see, to, yeah 73. They're real good in 73 when we saw them. Yeah. But I mean, even before they started, you know, started playing the playing the arenas and touring around when they were, you know, pretty much playing Southeast Texas most of the time. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, well, they were, they were, yeah, they were doing, they were club band. Yeah. Yeah. So so and, that's that's one Gib of my picks for sure. Just so goddamn. He's just, you know, he's uh, to say he's, he's an amazing player. I mean, that that's like saying that. Titanic was a boating accident. <laughs> yeah. And, and as far as I could, he's always been that good. I, I know, mean, he's yeah. literally always been yeah, that yeah, good. It, yeah. It wasn't like, oh, well, he became a rock star and he's been improving. No, I think he's been this good since he, yeah. you know, since, uh, yeah. It's a natural, so, man. Just a natural. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to, I was actually also going to say Blondie. So uh, yeah. I'll, 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 you know, when they're first couple before Parallel Lines, right? Right. Right. The first uh, album. Yeah. The first album and, and plastic Shreds. letters. Yeah. Yeah. Those, you know, that would have been a great time to see that band as well. Heck so yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, coattail on buff on that one. Good. That's, all right, man. Good choices, guys. Well, so I'm buff, you've go, got your, you've got your other one, right? Yeah. I'm going to go back. Since uh, Billy made me do that. I'm going to go back and finish. Cause I had my, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to give mine because I actually thought about it a little bit. The, uh, uh, three greatest concerts or shows that I ever saw like you, Jim, I ha I could do several lists. So I just, uh, what I picked, you know, I majored in theater in college and I was always an actor and theatrical. And so I love the theatrical bands. So I'm going to go with my theatrical bands, which are some of my favorite things because I like the music and the show. Uh, the first one being no particular order. Uh, Kiss on the Destroyer Tour 1976 Good in choice. Greenville with Motley Hoople opening. Ooh, that <laughs> and that, cool. was, that was so good. Yeah, and I've never seen anything. Anyway. <laughs> that stage show that Kiss did was uh, had big giant cats on either side of Peter Chris, these big giant black cats with glowing green eyes. And they had, uh, God, they just had everything, man. I mean, everything. Blew yeah, my mind, I, and that's the first tour that Gene pulled out the dragon boots that became his signature, you know. So I just loved yep. it. Number two, I saw, was, I, I saw that tour, but you got a better opening act. I got Uriah Heep. Oh my gosh, in their, in their waning days, <laughs> stealing one should have been. Yeah, I used to like Uriah Heep in their when they did a live album way back. 
Anyway, Bowie is number two. Uh, Diamond Dogs, 1974, Charlotte, no opening act. Didn't need one. Two hours of sheer magic. Great stage show, great uh, stage set. Looked like what he called a ruined city, like it had been bombed out. And he was just, uh, oh God, he did every song I want to hear and more. He also did um, some covers. He did Spirit in the Night by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> And a couple other weird things, but okay. David Bowie, of course he ranks as one of my top all-time favorite artists. And then another one that ranks high at the top was, this was a uh, 1975 Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare Tour, 75 in Charlotte with Susie Quattro opening. And that was absolute theatrical. So fantastic, such a great show, so much. Must have spent a fortune just on the stage show. I mean, I would have figured. Fortune. I would have figured one of you. One of the things on your list uh, would have been uh, Meatloaf in that Bad Out of Hell tour. It, it, it would have been if I thought about it. Because I mean, I, mean, I, saw I, him I know how much times. you like, I, and I know how much you like that material, and you know. So yeah, that. Yeah, I love uh, meat Meatloaf, and um, <laughs> I just, in fact, I just purchased the. Uh, they reissued the Bat Out of Hell vinyl on a red and white swirl vinyl. <laughs> so nice. I was like, okay, I got to have that. So I don't know why. <laughs> I, I have to have that. I'm, I'm like that. I'm weird about stuff like it, that. Okay, it that's like it. A, it looks like a bowling ball. <laughs> that's it. Moving right along because we're burning daylight. So I'm going to go on and say it's time for recommendations. Ooh. Recommendations. You have one, Jim. Of course you do. I forgot to think of something. Oh, well, uh, go ahead. I don't know on. if I don't know if they're going to rerun that that two part four hour kiss documentary on whatever. What was that on A and E? Yeah, A and E. They're going to yes. Yeah, you should check it out if you haven't. Uh, it's, it's on real demand right now. If you got on okay. demand. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, so it's called what? It's called Kistery. Yeah, it's in, it's insanely good. <laughs> It's actually pretty good. It's pretty good. And Gene Simmons is, is less of a blowhard asshole than you would expect. <laughs> in the he's less Gene Simmons like. Yeah, yeah he's more, yeah. Almost, almost human. Almost human. So, you know, check it out. It's, uh, it's you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I like well-made rock documentaries, even if I don't like the band. I enjoyed watching the Rush documentary. I enjoyed watching the Eagles documentary, and I'm not particularly fond of either of those bands, but I thought they were interesting. So, oh, yeah. so even if you don't like Kiss, it's quite the story. So check it. And there's lots of footage from their early years, which is interesting. Yeah, stuff and, that I hadn't uh, seen over the 50 years yeah. I've been a fan. So I will. Yeah, so, uh, so Kiss might play in later in the in the in this episode for me as well but check it out that's my recommendation uh, well you just said man uh as i told you guys the dagmans are in town man they they came in they came into whoville for uh mine and kevin's gig we played last night at the 413 and uh we had a good Billy, time can you turn your volume up at all I, i'm having a hard time i don't here. i don't think so uh okay. i yeah i don't know how to do that I'm, I got my volume maxed out and I can't hear you. Anyway, uh, the uh, I don't remember which Dagman it was, but they had a uh, they pulled up a video of uh, Dwight Twilly. Oh yeah, and, and Tom Petty's playing bass. Tom, nice. 
Petty Petty looks like a 13-year-old girl in the video, man. Uh, and it got started. I and I they were talking about what uh Waddy Waddell, and I was I had wanted, I couldn't remember what video it was where he's doing that weird thing with that pole. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. You had to put that back in my head, didn't you? Okay, recommendations. What did I go? What did I recommend last week, Buff? Bonanza, right? I can't remember what I did yesterday. Well, oh, excuse me. I've been watching. I had last week my recommendation was Bonanza because I, they got all the episodes on YouTube. And uh, this week, what now? Bonanza. Bom, 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 oh, yeah, bom. that's yeah. right. Yeah. So this week's, this week's recommendation is Bonanza. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, you can, and they're still right there on YouTube. You can watch all of them. And they got, if you uh, do a search, you can get, uh, you can find a recording of Lauren Green singing the Bonanza theme with lyrics. That's right. In it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, with lyrics in it, man. On the on this land, we put our brand. Cartwright is the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy. All right. Yeah. And I just said Bonanza because. I didn't think of one. I didn't think anything because I've been it's been crazy busy here the last three days, and uh, and I could probably try to thought of something now, but that just seemed like more trouble than it was worth. You know, uh, back in ninety one, ninety two, when I was doing this magazine in Greenville called Edge, Rhino was sending me everything they put out, and there was a CD. God, I wish I still had it. And it's out of print now. It was called Golden Throats. And yes. it had Lauren Green singing Bonanza, Shatner singing, uh, Leonard Nimoy singing Bilbo Baggins. And it had uh, like John Travolta singing uh, Letter In, all these actors and just atrocious singing. <laughs> but it was so cool. I just loved it. And uh, who yeah, who doesn't like that? They had Jonathan Frid from the Dark Shadows that played Barnabas. Oh he yeah, was, Barnabas he was like singing, singing some song about vampires. And he was not a singer. Okay, okay. Mine is. Oh wait a minute. There goes my alarm. Uh oh, time to take a pill. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that in a minute. Uh, okay. Uh, in treatment, HBO. The original show aired in 2008 with Gabriel Burns starring as the quintessential therapist. I wrote this out so I wouldn't forget. And we got to see ongoing sessions with several of his patients. He was calm incarnate, but turned into a raging bull during his own session with his therapist. The show lasted until 2010. Now, 11 years later, it's back. And one of his former patients has gone to school gotten her degree and now she is the therapist with a whole new list of interesting clients uzo aduba stars i kept trying to figure out where i had seen this lady before she looked so familiar so familiar well it turns out i had seen her a lot because i was a fan of orange is the new black and in orange is the new black she played suzanne better known as crazy eyes one of the most interesting characters on that show and a role that earned her an Emmy as the emotionally and mentally challenged inmate. So she went from that to being a therapist, which is cool. But I watched the first two last night. I'm 
did our, they've already aired eight of them. So I got some catching up to do. Um, but in treatment was always good because I mean, it's really, you can tell they researched it and you can tell that it's a, a whole lot like real therapy, you know, or sometimes like this boy that was on last night, he starts uh, substituting the therapist for his mother who was never there and asked the therapist if she could uh, love him like his mother never loved him and all this kind of stuff. It gets weird, but by the same token, it's pretty cool. Okay. Anyway, that's it. That's I saw that. an episode. I saw an episode of that last weekend at my hotel in uh, in Santa Barbara. I don't have HBO, but I I'd never seen it or wasn't aware of it. It was pretty interesting. The 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 new uh, series. Yeah. I mean, a new season. Yep. With Uzo. Yep. She's really cool, man. She's she's a talented actress. Um. Okay, it's time now for, without further ado. We're going to move right into the bad shows by great bands. I, I, I titled this uh, WTF. <laughs> WTF, great, great band. I mean, bad shows by bands you kind of like, I mean, or do like, but you just had, you know, can't cut them on a bad night or something, just bad shows. So that being said, let's go ahead and let, open it up with Jim. How about that? Sure. I mean, there's one show in my memory that immediately came to mind when y'all mentioned this. If you were a teenage hard rock fan back in the mid seventies, particularly from middle America, Aerosmith was the shit, man. Aerosmith right, right. was the thing that it's, yeah. it's, they were like the American Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones rolled into one. They were like, the king of the American teenager hard rock thing. And I had been going to shows since I was, you know, a young teenager, 13 or so, but I'd never gotten to see Aerosmith. So when they were, they announced they were coming to a town nearby me in the summer of 78, I was, was it 78? It might've been 77. Doesn't matter. I was pretty damn excited. It was right after draw the line came out, whenever that was, but uh, toys in the attic and rocks were like, constant in constant rotation for me back then so i was really excited to see aerosmith they were terrible they were terrible uh you know and in retrospect that was when they started falling apart because their drug use got out of control we didn't know it at the time um and yeah i've seen shows where bands were terrible and the audience didn't care you know because the audience just wanted to see their favorite band right do you, the audience knew how bad they were people were walking out it was that bad. Oh. Uh, you know, at one point, Steven Tyler said, what, what, what's wrong with y'all? Did they take your stash away at the door? And I think <laughs> a lot of people were thinking, man, you'd be, this show might even be better if, if they gave us some on the way in. Right. Uh, but they were just, they were just awful. It was really disappointing. And it did not help that their opening band was possibly the best live band in the world at that point. Uh, Cheap Trick opened. And it was oh, right God. about the, it was, right. a, it was within two or three months, either side of when they recorded live at Budokan. So they were, oh, so they were hot and tight and right in the groove. They yeah. killed, they killed. And then Aeros, I mean, the crowd was going nuts for them. So it wasn't a bad crowd night. Uh, Aeros was just terrible, just awful. So uh. that's, that's number one on my list. Uh, 
the next on my list, I said Kiss was going to make a reappearance. Here they come. So, um, you know, like most most people of my background and age, I like Kiss back in the 70s. And then, you know, they did their re their reunion tour, their first tour with makeup, I think in 96. Yeah. And I saw that tour and they were surprisingly good. I was like, wow, it was really cool. I mean, you know, I'd gone from liking them to not liking them and then being curious. And it was my wife had never seen the whole the whole big extravaganza with the makeup and the fire and all that. And it was really enjoyable and they sounded pretty damn good. Then they did what they at time at the time called their farewell tour, which ended oh. up being being their last tour with Ace and Peter. Yeah. I went with Mr. Beach, who's absent from the from the show tonight. Drugs it was terrible. It was terrible. It was terrible. Peter Chris could looked like he could barely lift his drumsticks. <laughs> it was awful. I, I saw that show and I said, I'm done. I'm done. This is this is it was terrible. It was really yeah. bad. I think Patrick liked it more than I did, but I just thought it was I thought they just looked tired and bad. And I was like, Yeah, I'm glad I went because I would have I would have, you know thought I missed out on something if I hadn't gone, but boy, it wasn't very good. Uh, the next one is uh, Wilco, who I've seen probably a dozen times. And I mean, my seeing Wilco goes back to when they were a bar band when the first record came out. I saw him at, at the aforementioned Liberty Lunch uh, with the horrible men's room. I saw him a couple times when they played Liberty Lunch back in the day. And, uh, you know, and uh, they were pretty good little, you know, uh, country rock Americana band. Then they got to be better and better. And I saw them uh, right after Summer Teeth came out, which is to my money still Wilco's best record. Uh, and they were just tremendous. They were just great. And then they went into the studio to do Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which was their, you know, turned out to be their big, you know, artsy record. And uh, as as documented in the documentary, uh, I'm trying to break your heart. They had, a, they had there was a big blow up between uh, Jeff Tweedy and Jay Bennett, who was the lead guitarist. And so after that, they played for a while as a I think they were just a quartet. Bennett was gone and it was before they had the, the bigger expanded band now with the great Nels Klein playing lead guitar. It was just four of them and they were just not good. They just, it was, uh, it, they were just not good. And I thought, you know, I, at that show, I thought I'm kind of done with Wilco now because they used to at least be a good live band and now they're not a very good live band. And, uh, and so it was really, really disappointing. Uh, and then a couple of years later, I was at uh, a music festival and they were playing and I kind of, and this was before I knew Nels Klein had joined the band and I went over and there, there's this big band, there's six of them. And Nels Klein is playing lead guitar. And I'm like, holy geez, they got so much better live when they got some new players. And now I go see him whenever I can just to watch Nels Klein play guitar. But that one show uh, when they have between Jay Bennett and Nels Klein in the band, just not good, not good at all. Uh, so it, they were just not interesting uh, in, in any respect. Um, they were trying to be artsy and they just didn't have the, 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 the players and the chops to, to pull off that fine line they try to walk between art and pop and alt country, which they do pretty well now. Their songwriting isn't isn't as interesting, but they're a good live band. Go see them if you like great guitar playing. So those are those are the three that immediately came to mind of shows that were were disappointing. I don't know. Are we supposed to do five? 
whatever you want to do. I'm going to leave it at those three because those are the those are the three that really stand out to me as shows that I was looking forward to and that I was disappointed by. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I, I don't have any experiences of the band just like, you know, going to seeing a, uh, getting a ticket and going to seeing a band and just them, them playing well or the, or the uh, performance being subpar. I, I've seen, I've seen shows that I've, you know, maybe the band in the middle of a slogging through a real long tour, man, that maybe they, you know, doesn't have the energy that's kind of, that, you know, they're, they're kind of mailing it in. Uh, I saw, uh, I saw Hank Jr. at a club tour one time and he was drunk and that was a big <laughs> shocker, huh? You know, and I mean, and that, that wasn't, but as far as just kind of not playing well and not, doing good stuff i i really only have one and i and it's steve earl i saw steve earl at uh at uh anton's when uh remember when the uh anton's was done on the drag uh oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was it was there and uh i kind of went i don't even remember how i wound up going you know some friend of mine says hey man uh steve earl's in town tickets only eight bucks and i hadn't sold out I said, yeah, let's go. And uh, it was a solo thing, and he was doing it with uh, Will and Charlie Saxton. Well, I thought that'd be cool because I figured they would be playing with him, you know. And, I mean, both of those guys are great guitar players. Uh, but they played the Saxton Brothers set, and then and then Steve just played the solo thing, which still would have been cool. But, it, man, it just – it was just shit, man. He didn't have any energy. He, he the delivery on all stuff was was just bad. Now that was just you know fourteen months before he had to go be in prison for, for heroin. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, but that's the only that's the only show. Uh, that's the only show really where I you know I would have I would have taken my money back. You know, yeah. uh, I, I saw Gary Stewart one time, and he and and he was a little drunk, and the set was sloppy. But I mean, it's Gary Stewart, man. You're expecting that, you know. Right. I mean, right. And, and but uh, you know, Steve, we're all doing that a hardcore troubadour thing. I mean, you were at least expecting a troubadour, and you didn't really get that, man. Yeah, yeah. You got, He's like drunk guy at a party that's pissed off, beating on his guitar, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 played some great shows after he's cleaned up and got out of prison. But I can imagine back then that was a hard slog. I, and I never saw him in the early days. I, that would have been somebody else. I wish I would have seen like good call right like right before Guitar Town came out because he was, I mean, man, and that that was a hot damn band he had. And oh oh, how about Dwight Yoakam when he was tearing up the clubs in L.A. Oh Lord back in the oh yeah, uh, yeah. with pete anderson yeah, and the, when, pete, yeah. when pete was playing yeah when before pete was playing yeah guitar. they were they were playing punk rock clubs and going in there and playing hardcore honky tonk and just tearing the place up that would have been great too uh you know that would have been great i'll tell you what i mostly as you know man I, the, most of my country stuff i don't i don't like a lot of fiddles in it you know uh i they to me don't make very good rock instruments in most cases. And I, I really think that that's 
the players, not necessarily the instrument. But uh, I always liked the way uh, Dwight featured. Uh, it was a fiddle player and Pete Anderson, man. And, and yep. you know, and I, I thought that was such a – that that was – I mean, man, it, it brought real heat to that early stuff he did. Yeah. Yep. On our theme, I thought of one more that I was going to mention. So I'll, I'll before I turn it over to Buff, and this is not quite didn't like the show, but because when she when she was going, she was fine. But during the period that Lucinda Williams was trying <laughs> to finish Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, which she worked on for forever, and is like a great nine, record, like nine years. <laughs> but I I saw her a couple of times when she was struggling with that. And she would regularly stop songs and say, stop, stop. We fucked that up. We need to start over again. Uh, and it wasn't just once or twice. It was great. She would do that on the regular, which was really weird because, I, you know, I like to think I got a pretty good ear and I couldn't hear anything wrong with what they were doing. But she's heard something she didn't like and stopped and started over again as a, as a fairly regular practice, which was weird. The band sounded great. I mean, you know, uh, Gurf Morlicks, of course, is just, tremendous uh but uh but she yeah. was hearing something she didn't like and they that you know so she kept doing that and so it wasn't a bad show it was just the weirdest thing that she that was a that was kind of a practice of hers back in those days and i don't know if it was just an austin thing that she felt like she could do it in an austin audience or if she was doing it everywhere but man that was that was weird that was just weird i remember uh you said during that period you saw her a couple of different times in that period you right. said it's she, and I remember you telling me it's kind of getting weird. She's sort of working an emotional breakdown into the show. Exactly. She's, do, she's doing that like at least once a set. Wow. Yeah. Who who would have imagined that from a hysterical neurotic drama? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you what, though, man. Yeah, you mentioned Gurf. Yeah, I like I, I like his product. I like his production work too. I like the records he makes and. Yep. He, uh, you know, just guys got really great taste, man. His the songs, the stuff he does, he he doesn't pack it full of stuff, man. But it's yep. everything that's there fits perfectly. Uh, he did a he produced an album by uh, somebody I know up in Ithaca, uh, Jenny Stearns, and uh, it's kind of a country folk album and uh he produced it and played guitar on it and man you listen to it and it's just the production and the guitar parts it's simplicity personified and everything is just perfect man i mean great. yeah anyway i got well i'm running out of steam guys so you want to wrap it up <laughs> yeah well, i'm gonna do i gotta do mine uh, oh okay sorry if we got time i'm gonna do yeah mine. we got time do it i'm just uh I know when I'm starting to need a nap or something. So I need yeah. a beer. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I already had that, but sometimes since the hospital, I I just take a hour long nap and get rejuvenated. But uh, you know, the tail was in a coma. Never mind. That's my ongoing joke. But it's it's true. But anyway, uh, my five, yep. not in any particular order, really, yep. but. The first one goes back to my time in New York and I went to CBGB's a few times. This was, yeah, yeah I had gathered that March 23rd, 1980. Uh, and I went to see Pylon at CBGB's. 
Now, this was my first time seeing the band. I later became a big fan of them in Atlanta. But when I saw them at CBGB's, it sucked. The set was disjointed and not in a good way. The playing sounded like your kid brother got a hold of your Les Paul. And the singer was just atrocious. This was my fourth and final show that I saw at the world famous punk club. It was rumored that Debbie Harry and Chris Stein were there, but I never saw them. I somehow stayed for the whole show thanks to unending beer. Uh, but they really, that was just uh, not a good New York debut for Pylon. But, you know, to, what's weird is that most of the people were so drunk, they thought that it sounded great. I guess they were just screaming and everything. I don't know. Uh, moving right along to other bands that are of, uh, you know, great talent that can sometimes suck. 1974, Greenville Auditorium. I had been to see Black Oak, Arkansas <laughs> a couple of times and they put on a, they put on a great show. They did a couple of times, but in 1974, they made the mistake of having a band open from him for them from New York city called kiss on their first tour. Now, KISS came out and blew the roof off of Greenville Auditorium for 45 minutes. I mean, they were just playing in vinyl outfits that Lydia Chris made and used a stud maker to put studs all over them. And they had just the cheapest effects, like lights off the top of fire trucks and just stupid crap. But yeah, we, we were blown away. Uh, so after all that, nobody seemed to care about hearing Black Oak. So when Jim Danny and the boys came out to, and met, met with all these cat calls and thousands of people chanting, kiss, 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 kiss. Uh, they were touring behind their number one hit, Jim Danny to the rescue. It was number one at the time. They played two songs. The chanting kept getting louder and louder. So Jim Danny got pissed off and left the stage in the huff followed by the band never to return. Oddly enough, not a single person asked for their $6 back. <laughs> uh, next was Hank Williams Jr. Oh, he made my list. <laughs> yeah, 1976 here in Sparkle City. The highlight of his show was when Toy Caldwell came out on stage and jammed on two songs because Toy carried the whole thing. Yeah, Toy Jr. was as drunk as a cooter. Slurring yeah. his words, wobbling all over the place. Yeah. I thought he was going to fall down, just cussing his ass off, insulting the audience. He'd start a song and abruptly just stop it. All the band just looked around, scratched their heads. They didn't know what to do. His whole concert lasted about 35 minutes. He pissed off everybody in Sparkle City. Prior to that, I kind of liked the guy. I kind of thought he was a cool well, and, outlaw man, guy. And, and let me just say, in seventy six, uh, in seventy six, he was still a real guy. That was before he cheated. Yeah, but all he up, went man. from there. He went downhill to the point where yeah, he turned into a. It joke, makes me man. very sick to my stomach to even see or hear him now. He was just he was a real guy there for a few he years. He really was. I, he he got. You know, that is, and then he and then he started doing all that wow southern man stuff and god 
Damn. I run a tight line. I go yeah, kill a, right, I go kill right. a pig. I kill a buck. I know how to eat a pig. <laughs> I eat a pig. I, I like pig pigs. The next two or the last two, one of them is my favorite band of all time, the Almond Brothers Band with the Dixie Dregs, Asheville, 1982. At this time, it was uh, Greg and Dickie. They had Dan Toller on guitar and Frankie. Dangerous Dan and the, bro and the brothers Toller. And Rook Goldfleece on bass. And Bonnie Bramlett was touring with them as the Almond Sisters singing backup. My favorite band, but this was the Arista days. Now, on Arista Records, they did two albums with Clive Davis producing. He wanted to remold the almonds into a top 40 band. So I've got <laughs> stories. I've got stories from all the guys from Greg and Dickie and, and well, Butch. why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> well, it's cause he's Clive Davis. So he likes to do that with everybody. So he was trying to uh, make them commercial. And I remember Dickie telling me, he said, that son of a bitch. He said, <laughs> he said, Hey, on the record, he buried the guitars in the back. You can't even hear the guitars. And all the songs were poppy, poppy, poppy things. They had a hit was straight from the heart, but it was kind of like, so anyway, the Almonds all hated the album and therefore they weren't happy on the tour. And Greg must've been on all kinds of drugs because really he was so high. They had to, I saw him in the, I could see him through the dark as they took him out, set him on his bench in front of the organ. And he kept starting to fall over. And once in a while, a roadie would go out and kind of straighten him up. He couldn't sing his voice. I mean, it just sucked. Uh, even like I said, even with all this talent behind him, it was just the worst almond concert ever. And, uh, so, uh, I really gave up on him until, you know, Warren and Woody and all them came around and brought them back to life. Uh, the Dixie Dregs opened the show and they sounded like a million bucks. So then after that, that you guys could play. That's that stuff was just man. I, I I'm not smart enough to listen to that. That shit's just that Dixie Drag stuff, man. I mean, it's just Jazz. so. And there's just so much. Of well, it, every one of those guys was just incredible. I know, me. right? Uh, yeah. And, I mean, they're great. I mean, I've got your record. I don't sit around and listen to them because it's more like jazz fusion or something well and man i mean you got to tip your hat to the skill and the talent and the ability but like i said it's just it's hard to hear because there's just so damn much of it there's a lot of it yeah my last one uh really i don't know hit me harder than any of them because one of my favorite artists of all time is johnny winter and um this is house of blues in myrtle beach september 19th 1997 my wife and I always loved Johnny Winter. Before we met, we'd each seen him live twice. We figured that out. Together, we saw him on our first date in 91. And around the same time of year, every year for the next two years, 92 and 93. And it was always great. I later found out that his manager had later, uh, uh, slayed us, had later started giving him heroin. He'd been off of heroin for a long time. They started giving him heroin. Who's the artist we're talking about? Johnny Winter. Man, got the blues. I knew who we were talking about. I just needed to set that joke. Oh, you just want to say that's, Yeah, yeah. Man, my, got the blues. That's my buddy. That's my buddy guy thing. Man, got the blues. Anyway, uh, Johnny Winter um, was apparently really uh, on the smack on the heroin, and um, uh, but 
Teddy got him on it. And then later on, this guitar player that he hired uh, was also his manager. They fired Teddy. And then, of course, Teddy ended up at the bottom of a, um, some stairs where he, he was so high, he fell down the steps and broke his neck. But his, man, his new manager got him off drugs. So he was off drugs a couple of years after this. But at this did he, time, did he get him on to Jesus? At this time at House of Blues, they let him out in the dark and set him on uh, in a chair. And you could see, you know, he's nodding out. <laughs> they hand him that little laser guitar that I hate, <laughs> his favorite one. Um, and uh, lights come up. He starts playing. He started out with Hideaway, the instrumental. And he's playing, he's pulling a Willie Nelson. He's playing like way behind the beat, you know, just way behind the beat. It works for Willie. The whole time that he's playing, <laughs> he's biting on his tongue mm -hmm. as a heroin guy will do. And uh, we had been invited. I had done an interview with him, which was really weird because he didn't, he didn't hardly talk at all during the interview. I had to pull it out of him. So he invited me and Jill to come on the, bus after the show and hang out have a drink and talk well after he had done two or three songs it was so bad the audience was booing and jill just loved i loved him but she loved 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 him and edgar so it was i looked over and she after the third song she was crying her eyes out and i was like honey what's the matter she goes, I just can't stand it. Can we go? And I said, yeah. So after the third song, we cut out, went back to the hotel. And, you know, I, she said, I'm sorry. I know you wanted to go on the bus. I said, no, that's not the guy I wanted to meet there. That's not him at all. That's, that's some messed up mess. mess yeah. Know? So it was really heartbreaking and just terrible, terrible for, for a fan to have to win and that night is there were people who were just walking out i'm talking about 20 at a time they were leaving and after the third song there must have been 50 people left out of about 500 and uh Damn, i mean it was terrible and uh anyway so that was it that was mine and um even thinking about it now it just blows me away that mm. you know but drugs are bad Especially heroin. Heroin is Drug. bad, bad, remember, bad. Remember, remember, kids, stay in school. Don't use drugs. Stay in don't don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Uh, stay in school. Okay, that's it. Uh, all right, we're wrapped up. Then that's good. That's good. That's good. I'll, um, we will catch up later about what we're going to do next time. And um, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Uh, thank you, Jim and Billy. How about Hi, thanks, Bob? Thanks, yeah. Buff. Was, thank you, guys. Y'all take care. We'll was, see you in the funny papers. It was fun today, man. Kind of low oh, yeah. key, which was perfect. We're so. going to go out with a song from the new Blackberry Smoke album. Uh, album's called You Hear Georgia, and it's the best one they've ever done. Every song is great. I mean, really, I, I'm not kidding. Great. So, here we go. Blackberry go Smoke, we'll be back later next, next week. All right. Yeah, See ya. He saw the lightning flash across the bright blue sky. Saw the rain creep across the road. Well, he stopped and said, That's the devil beating his wife. Some old
goes anywhere Here lately it's like they've forgotten his name He just can't forget the way That the days seem so much brighter And the breeze could blow the troubles away You could see angels dancing in the flame This whole place seems so much bigger same is the name of that song i just love that song in fact i love all the songs on the album you hear georgia 
from Charlie Starr, Blackberry Smoke. What a band, what a band, what a band. Oh, I just love that song, though. I just uh, can't wait to get a chance to sit down and learn to play it on the guitar. I just I think it's got such a great melody and everything. But anyway, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Kudzu Radio Hour. See how I did that? That's old school radio. Radio Hour. See <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I'm in that kind of a mood. We want to say a, a huge thanks to our sponsors again. Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Great, great, great chicken raised on family farms. Great chicken raised on family farms with no antibiotics, no hormones, no steroids, no animal, animal byproducts, none of the junk. Healthy, healthy, healthy. Good for you. Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Oh yeah. Tell them I sent you go on over to springermountain.com springermtn.com. Also brought to you by the box masters, Billy Bob Thornton, AKA bud Thornton is the drummer and singer and co-writes all the songs with Mr. JD Andrew, who was a amazing songwriter and multi-instrumentalist engineer and producer. So together, they are a red hot team, baby. And they recorded the album Light Rays, um, virtually just the two of them doing all the instruments and everything. How about them apples? It is so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I think it's their best album yet, you know, after 13 years and they've done some great stuff. You can get Light Rays on CD, vinyl or download. Just go to the boxmasters, theboxmasters.com. And uh, remember, they're getting ready to go on tour. Didn't get to go last summer because of COVID-19. But they're going this summer. And you can get the dates. You can find out more about all the merchandise, including the latest album, and more at theboxmasters.com. And please follow them on all your social media stuff there. I highly recommend Instagram boxmasters official account that uh, JD updates it daily. It's exciting because there's all kinds of pictures from the past, present and future. Well, they're none from the future, not yet because uh, they haven't gotten into the DeLorean yet, but I, I imagine when they do, uh, JD will be posting some pictures from the future. Uh, why not? Why not? So anyway, thanks again to all y'all for uh, listening in. I want to thank uh, my friends, uh, Billy Eli and Jim Hippel and with our, uh, our thoughts are with uh, Patrick Beach as he travels, uh, that he's safe and having the time of his life. We certainly hope so. And we'll have him back, I'm sure, next week. All right, folks, we will see you again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel on most of these kudzu radio networks no it's just one network no i don't know it's you know on kudzu how about that just that